Hello? Staffordshire Police. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Staffordshire Police's The Beat podcast. My name is Mike Lowe and today I'm joined by our Chief Constable Chris Noble. Chris has been Staffordshire's Chief Constable since December 2021 and in his first year he focused the force's efforts on designing and implementing a new operating model. So that's how the force works and is structured. This new operating model is focused on putting local officers back into the heart of communities. Chris has also faced some considerable challenges as the force has been placed into an engaged process. This process has been led by His Majesty's Inspectorate for Constabulary and Fire and Rescue Services. The engaged process means increased scrutiny of how we are performing, and it has been introduced as the inspectors found the forces failing to identify and assess vulnerability at the first point of contact, and not carrying out effective investigations and giving victims the support they needed. In December of last year, HMIC FRS provided a re-inspection of the force to review our progress against these two causes of concern, which is why we're here today. So, there's a lot to get into there, um, but first, let's just welcome Chris. How are you today? I'm well, Mike. I'm well. Subject, of course, to the questions that come my way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I've been in post now nearly a year and a half, and no regrets. Um, as I've said to many people, I did lots of due diligence before moving here in the first place. So on a personal note, you know, living in the area, um, lovely area to live, good people, um, great workforce, really up for the challenges and the changes. But, you know, all the challenges I saw before I applied uh, are pretty much the ones that are on our toes now. So at the very least, uh, I did my homework. So to start with then, can you just give us a summary of what the latest inspection in December found and how Staffordshire Police doing? Yeah, so in, in summary, and, and some of this is pretty well reported in the public domain, because at the same time we were being challenged about this inspection work. Um, the Metropolitan Police were as well. So it all sort of broke at the same time that we were being brought into uh, what's called an engaged stage of monitoring or in the sort of vernacular in the public domain, special measures, even though it's a very different process to that you would see in education. Um, and there was a number of key challenges. One um, was, you know, whenever people contact the police, uh, primarily through a force contact centre, how amongst the thousands of calls you get every week do you identify the most vulnerable people how do you respond effectively to that to get them the right care, the right support that they need? The second element was, again, thousands of investigations ongoing uh, and many of them aren't up to scratch in terms of the quality of the investigation, opportunity around maybe arresting suspects early, how we keep victims updated, how we secure justice um, for people who have been victims of crime. And then some other challenges as well about how we manage offenders, how we protect the most vulnerable, um, uh, and some associated challenges in around supervision and, and leadership. So those two big areas are about that first point of contact in identifying vulnerable people and quality of investigations. So turning to that first point of contact, so since the HMIC FRS inspection, our 999 performance has improved dramatically and we're now 12th placed nationally compared with other forces. So what's happened to deliver this turnaround and what are your plans going forward to sustain this? Well, first of all, I'm not going to be either complacent about the progress we've made and the, our inspection body have said we've made really clear progress in this area. But there'll be people listening who say, well, hold on a minute, you know, I rang 101 last week and it took me 40 minutes to get through. Or I rang 999 and actually it took longer than your 10 seconds to pick up. So I'm not, I'm not naive that the experience has been positive for everybody. And my ambition is that it will be and should be positive for everybody. But 
I think through a combination of changing some of the shift patterns, giving additional training to our staff, being really clear about measuring not just how fast we do things in the contact centre, but the quality of what we do, putting some additional leadership in there just to support the existing leadership teams. Uh, and then actually policing is still pretty much about numbers. So we're recruiting more people to come into contact, brilliant people from a whole variety of backgrounds who are dealing, I think, in one of the most challenges, challenging areas of policing today. So combination of all those things as well, of course, is looking at new technology um, and asking other forces who are doing really well in this area to come in, pick apart what we're doing, give us some good critique um, and help us improve. So all those things coming together, um, I, I think have put us in a better place. But, you know, you're, you're only as good um, as your last R of 999s that come in. And the big challenge for policing in that sort of first point of contact is so much of what comes into our contact centre does not have policing as a lead agency. So we're doing a lot of work, not just to get better at what we do and support people, but to make sure that whenever someone calls in, we can point them in the direction to the right agency as early as possible. Uh, and that's about trying to get the right care um, to the right person. Thank you. Um, so another area to address is how we deliver effective investigations so that we deliver justice and the or the best possible outcome for the victim. How's the force responded to this criticism uh, and what has been done to improve the service we offer to victims? Well, I think first of all, the criticism's fair um, and that comes from our own staff that they don't feel that they're getting the time or the training um, or the support to investigate properly. Um, so a lot of what we've been doing around, as you alluded to at the start, going back to a very local model of policing, putting over 200 more officers into response, giving them more time to investigate, giving them a greater knowledge of what's going on in their local area isn't just about you know back to basics and heartbeat policing um, it's about giving cops more opportunity to identify suspects support victims and investigate properly so we're almost quadrupling the amount of time each officer has per incident to investigate it so that local model of policing is pretty significant the role of a supervisor is pretty fundamental so we're trying to work around some of our key computer systems to make sure sergeants aren't stuck behind computer screens all day. They can sit down with staff, review investigations, develop investigation plans, make sure that we're keeping in contact with victims. Because one of my concerns is that even whenever we're investigating things better, it's still taking too long to progress an investigation. And if I'm a victim of crime, and if you are, and it's taking months to investigate a crime, well, at some point in time, we might just throw our hands up and say, no point. It's old, it's gone, I, I want to move on. And that's not just about someone, you know, having the challenge of their home burgled or their vehicle stolen. It's maybe victims of, of domestic or sexual or violence. Um, so you just need to be really thoughtful, not just about good quality investigations, but timely investigations as well. And we've built masterclasses for our staff. We've brought in external trainers to help us develop that. We're scrutinising investigations through supervisors now in a much more structured way. We've gone to the College of Policing to build bespoke training inputs for our own staff. Um, so we're doing a huge amount. What I would say is that across policing, this is probably one of the biggest challenges that Policing UK has. A really young workforce, a loss of lots of detective experience, um, and that actually, you know, policing has lost a huge amount of knowledge and memory around what good investigations look like. So from my point of view, it's back to basics, not making assumptions people know what good looks like. And then also whenever we've given people that training and all the support they need in a really mature but really firm and clear way, holding people to account 
about an investigation that they should be proud of and an investigation actually that they should be comfortable a member of their family receiving if roles were reversed. So lots more to do in that area, but again, progress is being made. So are these challenges that all 43 forces face? Yeah, absolutely. So the whole area around the amount of calls coming into policing is a massive challenge at the minute. I think we've had maybe an 18, 19% increase in 999 calls. Um, and a 999 call generally doesn't last for a few seconds. You could be on there for, for you know, 20, 30 minutes dealing with what you have to uh, to deal with and how you support the person on the other side of the line. Uh, and then 101 calls, you know, could be everything from dog fouling and nuisance parking, antisocial behaviour, um, to again, maybe more serious crimes where people haven't felt they want to ring 999. So the breadth of what's coming in to policing at the minute and the direction of travel around increasing demand is really significant and we see the health service under pressure ambulance service under pressure local authorities under pressure um, and generally speaking the police service has become an agency now of first resort when in the past it was probably last resort you call the police now um, we're probably picking up a lot of calls because other organizations just cannot cope and one of my frustrations is that on many shifts my officers are spending more time in accident and emergency than they are in the home of a domestic abuse victim supporting them or locking up the suspect uh, or helping them try and rebuild their lives again and that's not ultimately what policing should be here for we're not going to step away from people when they're in need but if police is fundamentally about preventing crime detecting crime and caring for the most vulnerable we need to be really clear about what um, the public and indeed what I and of course my police fire and crime commissioner want policing to be held to account over so that area around contact is an enduring challenge across policing. And the other area that we talked about as well, quality of investigations, is also that a very young workforce, really complex investigations around digital crime, around vulnerable victims. Um, you know, policing is struggling, not just to cope up with the amount of investigations, but then ensuring that each one um, is properly assessed and gets the right level of investigation. So there's an awful lot of work going on behind the scenes, which we see every day, to improve our responsiveness, our ability to solve the root causes of crime, and to identify vulnerability at the earliest stage so that obviously we can prevent crime and get people the help they need. This is critical before they become victims of crime or turn to a life of crime. Now looking forward, can you tell us more about what the force are working on and the differences that will make to the public in that area? So I th- I think my perspective on things at the minute is that through our local operating model, bringing in new officers uh, in terms of the investment we're doing around our force contact centre and investigations, that we're getting much better at reacting to what's happening. Probably one of my key challenges and frustrations is that we're not able to invest as much as we'd like around being proactive, around going looking for crimes that have already happened but haven't been reported to us or identifying you know, people who've offended and we want to stop them offending again in the future. So... You know, we've made some decisions even just in the last few weeks to invest over 100 more officers in our public protection units. And in particular, um, how we identify and support and indeed rescue on many occasions kids who are being criminally exploited, whether it be through county lines or indeed acquisitive crime um, or indeed children who are being sexually abused. Um, And that's not just something the police can tackle and deal with. There's a lot of work going on Um, on Stoke and Trent uh, and Staffordshire County about how we work together more effectively as partners but it's an area we need to have more accredited detectives in 
just to deal with the challenges today and then build for the future as well. So that that's a really hard call because, you know, members of the public, whenever we ask them what are your priorities, generally say visibility, we want to see cops, and number two, tackle antisocial behaviour. The challenge I have as a chief constable, both legally and morally, is I know there's a lot of things out there that thankfully very few members of the public, very few people listening to this will ever experience, whether it be sexual abuse, child abuse, homicide, serious violence, etc., etc. Um, and I've got to take a focus and put a focus on how do we tackle the things that harm people the most, as opposed to the things that maybe irritate most people. Um, recognising there's harm in things like antisocial behaviour as well. So we've had to make some really hard calls about um, investing more people in the area around rape and serious sexual offences, around supporting and tackling the challenges around domestic abuse, how we manage some of the most prolific and dangerous offenders. Um, but um, there's a constant clamour, and I get it and I understand it because I live in the area myself. We want to see more police, we want them dealing with antisocial behaviour. And at times, I'm going to have to make some really hard calls about not maybe having as many neighbourhood officers or PCSOs as I would like, uh, maybe not being able to deal with ASB as quickly as I would like, and actually on occasions putting other agencies behind the eight ball to say, well, what are you doing about this? This is not just a policing problem. So those are choices we've made just in the last couple of months. There are actually things that come out of the Casey report as well. Um, about policing having to make some hard calls about investing in some specialist units when actually some of the most vulnerable victims are being let down by crimes taking too long or inve effective investigations not taking place. So, so yeah, bringing us on to actually the, the Baroness Casey review, um, obviously it would be remiss, remiss of us not to discuss it. Um, that obviously revealed some truly shocking behaviours in the Metropolitan Police. What are your reflections on this report and what it means for policing as a whole? And then, I suppose, looking at Staffordshire as an individual force, what reassurances can you give to members of the public about the approach we take to maintain the highest standard of service? There's a lot in that, so I'll maybe come back to sort of get you to break that down again in a second. But I, th I think if, if we sort of start with the report itself, I, th I think the encouraging thing, you know, having spoken to, to many colleagues who I know in the Met, is that actually they welcome it. It was asked for by the previous Met Commissioner with a recognition that um, Louise Casey has a pretty strong record of speaking truth to power and not pulling punches. So I think they, they should have anticipated, and I'm sure they did anticipate, it would be a very honest appraisal and they gave her absolute access to the organisation. So I think that is to be commended because if policing is not transparent and open to accountability, um, we are just storing up problems for ourselves in, in the years to come. I think the challenge is now that every time there is a new press release about an officer in the Met who's done something, public confidence takes another nosedive. The reality is the Met, as are we in Staffordshire, are now and have been proactively going looking for officers and staff who are dangerous, who are a risk to their colleagues and a risk to the public. So success, in many ways, is seeing more of these cases come to light. But the challenge is, from a media point of view and a public point of view, um, it, it, it's almost another nail in the coffin of confidence in, in policing every single time it happens. So that, that tension will exist for the foreseeable future. Um, I think one of the most dangerous phrases in, in policing at the minute is, well, that's just the Met with maybe a bit of an eye roll um, emoji at the end of it. It's not just the Met. I think the Met is a very big canary in a cage for the rest of us. You know, what's going on in the Met 
um, to varying degrees, will be going on in other police forces. I have no doubt about it. In Staffordshire, we've taken a really proactive approach. We've put out really clear messages and created a system where officers can proactively and staff can give information very discreetly and anonymously to our professional standards department so we can identify people and they maybe haven't even committed a crime but some of their behaviours are giving their colleagues really significant cause for concern and we can intervene really early and stop that and indeed if it's appropriate exit them from the organisation and I've removed a number of officers from the organisation in my relatively short time here and I won't hesitate to again if it's clear that they have fallen short um, of the standards that are expected of a police officer um, in, in a significant way. So lots of learning from the Met uh, around standards, um, lots of learning for Staffordshire that we will take forward and add to our existing plans. And what I would say is, you know, there may well be police officers and in particular first line managers listening to this now. Absolutely, we will invest in vetting. We'll review again um, the database about police officers who might have committed offences. We will put more officers and staff, as we are doing, into our anti-corruption unit and professional standards unit. We'll use technology in a better way. We will have proper training and challenge inputs. A key element is first-line supervisors dealing with things at the earliest opportunity. You know, I reflect on my career as a relatively young sergeant and inspector. Um, and everybody within the teams know the people who actually they're not comfortable with. And I'm not sure I always in my career have dealt with those individuals as early and as robustly as I should have. So there's a key message for me, despite all the other work we're going to do, the role of the team leader in policing, about identifying that individual who's a challenge, whose behaviours are off, um, and not ignoring it, having the courage to deal with it, I think is pretty fundamental if policing is going to tackle the, uh, the challenges which have been pretty enduring in terms of culture uh, and standards. Okay, thank you. Um, last question then. So the new operating model is bedded in now and we've seen lots of positive figures already around increased arrest rates, seizing thousands of pounds of illegal drugs, more problem solving and working in partnership and more opportunities to dedicate time and resources to tackle issues important to local communities. All good stuff. But the work of a police force is never done. Um, what's next and what difference will the public see in the year ahead do you think? So in terms of that local model you know we we knew just by introducing it at the end of June last year everything was not all of a sudden going to become rosy. Now that said I haven't heard any negative comments at all from members of the public about what we've done and our staff are pretty positive about it too but we're constantly putting more people into local policing. So it's only really um, over the next sort of couple of weeks we're actually going to get to the numbers that we need in terms of you know the model having uh, the numbers of cops in particular to actually make it successful. That said, we've got lots more emergency calls than we ever planned for. Um, our workforce is less experienced than we'd anticipated, so there's it's a very young in service workforce out there as well. So we've got to let that mature and bed in. And there are some areas that are under real pressure. So if, if officers are listening now, you know I'm not naive about some of our local policing teams and the pressure they're under. And we're doing lots of work to ensure that actually everywhere can be successful in the local model as opposed to maybe some areas feeling under really significant pressure. So that is a next phase of work around sort of almost sort of version 2.0 of that local model. But it's the right thing to do. Um, we're giving officers much you know, stronger opportunities to get to know the suspects in their area, the hotspots of crime and antisocial behaviour. 
um, and indeed maybe those repeat victims that we need to spend even more time on. Um, I've alluded to it already, we're going to continue to invest in our force contact centre because that's where people have the most contact with us. It's not face-to-face -face with officers, it's not at police stations, it's now on the phone or through our digital channels. So we've launched or relaunched our live chat option just to make sure we can be really interactive in our conversations with um, members of the public as well as putting dozens more uh, staff into our contact centre. And then that third area I spoke about around public protection. Uh, we need more detectives supporting and caring for the most damaged victims um, and locking up the most dangerous offenders, as well as recognising that the teams in that area are under huge pressure. They want to be there, they've got a real emotional connection to the work that they do, but um, I've got a responsibility from a health and safety point of view as Chief Constable to look after my staff as well as look after victims and we need to be doing more to care for staff who are dealing with trauma every single day whether that be in response policing, public protection, CID or a force contact centre. Um, and then the, the, the sort of fourth element which isn't sort of quite as Gucci perhaps whenever you talk about it is recognising that you know I want to get us back in Staffordshire being an outstanding local police force. That's the brand that Staffordshire Police have always had and if we're going to need that or if we're going to do that well then we've got to be able to keep changing and improving on a constant basis. It's not just about our inspection body, it's not just about being engaged because I'm hopeful in the relatively near future we will emerge from that. We want to get back to where Staffordshire have been, which is grounded in local communities, proactive in terms of tackling crime, really innovative about what we do, and also has a real family feel about the force where we care about each other, we're proud of the service that we deliver, and it's an inclusive family, so we have a really good mix um, of gender and race and ethnicity and backgrounds which reflects communities because it delivers more effective and more connected policing so lots more to do this year I'm really optimistic I have to say even though it's a relatively young and service organisation we've got real challenges about how busy we are um, I think we're on a strong footing I'm getting really good feedback from the public but our own staff are saying look we're not there yet we are not delivering a service that you know we can stand over every single time and be proud of but the plans we've got are the right plans our inspection body has told us that as recently as the last couple of weeks um, and there's a real appetite to do more and have a much stronger impact especially around crime and disorder across Staffordshire um, recognizing that Staffordshire is one of the safest counties in the country um, but sometimes this is about how people feel as well as what they experience and we want to make sure that Staffordshire isn't just safe but there's a real confidence in Staffordshire about the police and indeed about the place that people live in as well. So uh, optimistic, positive about the progress to date, but definitely more to be done. Chief Constable Chris Noble, thank you for your time today. Uh, it's genuinely been fascinating to hear your experiences and the challenges faced leading a large and complex organisation. That just leaves me to say thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Beat Podcast produced by Staffordshire Police. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, including sources of information, help and support, please visit the Staffordshire Police website. If you'd like to get involved or have any questions, you can get in touch with us by emailing thebeatpodcast at staffordshire.police.uk. Please remember that this is not a suitable place to report information about crime or safety concerns. You can do that by calling 101 or reporting via our website.